1: Bring in show music, please.
0: Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Green arrows reprieve. Inflation may, may have peaked, and the markets cheer. 7% in the NASDAQ
2: is a big move.
0: Well, for one day, so far. But man, if you missed that rally yesterday, you gotta be hurting. Can the Fed help all the hurt? New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy on what consumers need.
3: I'm on the side of aggressive behavior because otherwise a lot of inflation is sentiment. To feed that positive sentiment in the economy, they've got to take some more steps.
0: Plus, China finally backing off harsh COVID restrictions, the fake blue checks wreaking havoc for some companies, and cryptastrophe. FTX continues its crumble. Investors scramble to cash out.
4: The big question is, are we going to see some customers getting their money out or not?
0: It's Friday, the 11th day of the 11th month. Happy Veterans Day. Squawk Pod begins right now.
3: Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue please.
5: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
0: First up today on the podcast, Have we peaked? Wall Street saw a huge rally Thursday, the major averages having their best day since March 2020. Hmm, What else happened around then? The The Dow jumped more than 1,200 points. The S&P rose 5.5%, the Nasdaq 7.4%, following some good news on inflation a smaller-than-expected rise in consumer prices for the month of October. Now, prices on everyday items are higher than a year ago, but the rate of increase itself is down, a hopeful sign that maybe, just maybe, the Federal Reserve's aggressive rate hikes have started to cool things down. Now, it should be said that the 7.7% rate of inflation in October is still above the Fed's two percent target, the goal on the horizon for the central bank to ease off hiking interest rates. On Squawk Box, we've heard from many guests about the path that Fed Chair Jay Powell has laid out with his clear march toward that two percent, no matter the potential pain to the economy or to investors. Market historian and professor at the Wharton School Jeremy Siegel joined Squawk Box earlier this week.
4: This is a really big issue in terms of how you interpret inflation, for forward looking policy. I think the market says he's got to flip sometime. He will see the light. It's just taking
0: him a little longer. Last month, hospitality entrepreneur Barry Sternlicht warned that rate hikes are rising, the risk of recession.
4: I feel like he's the captain driving the Titanic into the ocean. And he's, you know, we're uh, consumers in the US are still spending, but it's inevitable that they can't keep this up. So, the, the Fed has to stop and just look at the data.
0: So does yesterday's blowout on Wall Street mean a possible change in course? Let's get back to
5: Becky. You know, the, the move we saw here yesterday, obviously an immediate reaction to that CPI number being a little softer than had been anticipated. Cooler, yeah. yeah. people thinking that this was going to be a Fed pivot.
2: Swivel. We were upgrading the swivel. Uh, yeah, we got it, It's kind of interesting. We got to th- th- test, retested the July lows. Did we make new lows, 3588? Does that count as a new low below 3,600? In, in bull markets, you get really scared by sharp breaks. In bear markets, do the same thing, does the same thing happen with really sharp uh, short covering rallies, whatever you want to call it? 7% in the NASDAQ unbelievable. is a big move
5: yeah.
2: in a single day.
5: Yeah, Carl Icahn was on yesterday with Scott Wapner and was talking about how. Carl's
2: been bearish for 30 years. He
5: has been bearish for 30, 30 years. years. Nothing right. new with this. But he was just saying you do see things like this in bear markets where you get really volatile days. It doesn't necessarily mean the all clear is there if you're looking at the longer term.
2: But I am still very uh, or quite bearish on uh, what is going to happen. I a, a rally like this is, of course, very uh, dramatic to say the least, very dramatic, but you have them all the time in a bear market. And I still think we're in a bear market.
5: But man, if you missed that rally yesterday, you got to be hurting. If you were not invested, if you were waiting for the pivot, if you were waiting for the turn.
2: And, and, and it, it matters what happens with inflation. I can see we'd, t- we'd go to new lows if this is a brief sort of a a head fake about things cooling, like a 70s type thing where a bunch of times Arthur Burns or whoever, Montgomery Burns, whoever, whoever it was that was running the Fed thought we had it licked. And they didn't have it licked. So, but if they do have it licked, and Jeremy Siegel's right, Barry Stern licked, uh, so many people, Elizabeth Warren, all the, if all these people are right, I think
4: it's very possible. I mean, I think it's more. I personally think it's more probably You've to go seventy-five points. That. I just do. I, I've been thinking that. I do. I've and been I, and my, and I'll be consistent with that. I'll stay there, and I'm. i there, and I and and so when you say you should be fully invested yesterday, yeah. If you're in for a day, no. God bless you. Would be fully invested. In, if you're, you know, you're going to be around just, for longer, I think it's
2: a longer it's not conversation. just my four hundred one k, but I. I've been hoping for the pivot for a while and thinking, if you're so wrong about transitory, how do you possibly think you're right about that you have to go higher than most people think? Because they don't know. They yeah, don't but know.
5: I, I think the transitory talk was also something he held on to a little longer than but he might have had conviction for because he was waiting to see if he was going to get reappointed.
2: And we should be in diff- sitting in different places because you're basically saying that all the money that the Biden administration spent and that the Fed printed really did cause systemic inflation. I'm saying reopening after the pandemic briefly is causing this dislocation in the labor market, I'm which saying, makes it look long I'm term, saying, but it's not. I'm saying something totally different. Why? Why is it? Why do you think and, inflation you're, is going to be bad?
4: It's because, it, because I'm not even thinking about it the way you're thinking about it. I'm thinking about it as here is a guy who's told the market one thing who believes that his credibility is on the line about what that is, hold on, and I believe as a result is, ju- is going to continue on that path until it is super clear. Not just a little clear, like super clear because he does think about it like antibiotics and he does think that you don't want to stop the medicine too early. And I think he believes it is worse to stop the medicine early, get caught out again and then has to go back. fifty
5: basis points stopping, stopping no, the medicine. It, I, mean, 50 basis I look at the other. A, a I chairman,
4: chairman, I'm just
2: telling you that a Fed chairman's legacy can be ruined in, in one of two ways. It can be ruined by not by, by being I'm too not, easy, or you 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 were so strident thinking about inflation that you sink the economy into a much harder landing than was necessary, and that's that's what you know, people on the left are saying, that's what many people are saying, but well, why are you trying right, to kill look, the job market? And what if he does I'm
4: just kill suggesting it? suggesting to you that I think he's looking at this and saying, this is actually still a remarkably strong economy.
5: Well, and and what Leisman said yesterday at the table is that Powell himself has said that it, one month is not a trend, that it's going to take many months of this stuff to build up to it.
3: You know, I... I I guess I have a hard time getting
2: really excited about a 7.7% year over year.
3: Three nine year. on the
2: ten years, Steve.
3: I, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look, the progress since uh, June, when we hit that high of 9.06. Uh, do the math. We've come down 1.3 percentage points after
2: a massive increase.
5: Steve, it's so clear uh, that it's the going to be rate. a pivot now. <laughs> do, do people on the radio see the smile on your face, Joe? That's what I worry about. But I also don't think that whether he goes 50 or 75 basis points next time around is really going to be the end-all, be-all of what's not, happening. It's how long he's going to keep these rates. at I higher just levels. don't.
2: You know, I, was, the I remember. Question. I remember the the horrible hyperinflation. It just seemed much more ingrained. Oh my back God! Then. It smells so bad in here. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it. I'm talking so <laughs> no. much. No, There's, we have we, may, we have some mysteries. We have something.
5: Something died right, somewhere.
2: Right. Did you? You saw that. You, you saw the Dahmer special. I have not seen. I know about the Dahmer special. His out. apartment I this apparently. Uh, I don't know. We've it, it sort of imported some of the uh, ode to Dahmer in in here.
4: New overnight China easing COVID measures this shortening quarantines now by two days for inbound travelers and for close contacts of infected people also removing a penalty on airlines that in too many cases the National Health Commission saying that those changes shouldn't be considered a quote relaxing of the prevention and control but quote optimizing and adjusting it said it's still sticking by his zero COVID policy now markets in Asia are jumping overnight as a result of that building on what has been an early rally in the United States.
5: We want to get right to Yunus Yun in Beijing. Yunus, this sounds pretty significant because I can't remember ever hearing anything like this over the last three (laughs) years.
6: Yeah, well, you and I would say relaxing or see this as significant, but China, uh, Chinese leadership anyway, has described this as optimizing the COVID controls, but that they are unwaveringly sticking by the zero COVID policy. Now, either way, Uh, The market has interpreted this as an easing. And there is some positive developments, for example, for any foreign executive who might want to come into China. uh, Now, the government quarantine is only five days in a hotel. uh, That's appointed by the government, as opposed to seven days. So a shorter period and then another three days if you have a home here to be monitored there. And then uh, you'd only have to take one negative COVID test, a 48-hour, instead of two. And then finally, uh, it might be easier for you to catch a flight here because uh, the policy that U.S. airlines, as well as other foreign airlines, really uh, found unreasonable by China is the circuit breaker policy, which was that China would suspend flights if there are infections that were detected on those flights. So uh, that policy is now over. And there's also some positive developments for those of us who live in China. Uh, First of all, some of the more extreme measures are being mitigated. So for example, um, the uh, positive cases and their close contacts are still rounded up, but the close contacts of the close contacts are now no longer rounded up and put into a government isolation. The uh, risk is redefined. So it's now high and low as opposed to high, medium and low. And the point of that is that fewer people in theory will be put on lockdown. And then uh, there's supposed to be uh, the uh, citywide mass testing is going to be discouraged. So all of that is a positive development that's being sent, um, a signal being sent. But at the same time, people aren't really sure how these are all going to play themselves out and whether or not it really gets to the underlying problem with zero COVID, at least when it comes to the economy. And that is, will it solve the uncertainty that zero COVID creates?
5: Eunice, yes, thank you. I have so many questions. Uh, one of those questions is, why are you standing on the street in the rain? And I'm guessing because it still has complications in terms of getting back in and out of offices.
2: Twitter's new uh, pay-for-verification system rolled out Wednesday, not a minute too soon. Uh, but it's not going well. Yesterday, Eli Lilly had to apologize. And this time, a fake account with a handle at Eli Lilly and Company, with a blue checkmark, sent this tweet saying... Uh, we're excited to announce insulin is free now, free just for everybody. The fake profile used the company's logo as its profile picture, and it appeared to be a legitimate account at first glance. After it began to pick up steam online, the real Eli Lilly account sent this message We apologize to those who have been served uh, a misleading message from a fake Lilly account. Our official Twitter account is at Lillypad. So it wasn't served as, we can't even. Can't determine
5: it. You can't determine anyway. <laughs> this is the problem with the eight bucks being paid for the Twitter check mark. I can see charging eight bucks, but make it look something different. But what I don't like, understand- The, I... it, it, this, the blue check mark sounds like you're verified and that somebody's looked into, you are that, and that's what we've used it as this entire time.
4: I think worse than that is the idea, and, and this is the part of that I just don't understand why he'd want to put the company in, in this jeopardy. I think it's very possible that Lena Kahn from the FTC or somebody else is going to say enough already?
5: Well, a bunch of people quit yesterday. Well, the, like, oh, a the couple people from privacy, Yes, yo, but my, yo, but, my
4: but, but the point is, what's going to happen is there. You know, he's worried about making money now. Yeah. Well, when there's billions of dollars of fines by the FTC because they have not, because they are not, um, you know, working through the consent decree because you're having all of this kind of behavior all over the all over the site. That's a problem, and
2: that's going to that I'm can gonna, actually uh, have a real right. economic cost. They moved the, this up, but I'm going to read the rest. The fake account has since been removed, um, it, 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 and the company logo from its profile. But then there's some other ones. It, it, was, it wasn't the only incident. New York Times reporter, did you see it? Maggie Haberman retweeted news from a verified account pretending to be an ESPN reporter, and tweeted she got fooled by this system. And then late, uh, last night, Lockheed Martin, a, a fake ac- account, tweeted it. All, wa- all, weapons sales, all weapons sales to Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the United States are going to be halted until there's further investigation right. into start a about record the re- of human start rights. we talking about the real and,
4: danger. Abuses. At some point, there's going to be real danger to people, either, either human danger, or there's going to be de- danger, by the way, to the stock markets. Think, think about what what could get published could and, and, and and move the markets in certain ways. Especially
5: I mean, at a time when like Sam Bankman-Fried and all of these other people are totally all of their intentions. That's in our
4: world. Things. But then you know, call me about Ukraine or Russia or, or any of the other places that uh, have, have, have have complicated situations right now. And complicated China. is like the polite word for it. Right. the accountability right. question becomes whether whether regulators actually at some point step in and say, like enough already. We're not doing it this way and you're going to have to actually abide by something else. And then, of course, you go to court, you'll be in court for years and years and years. But th- are questions a, the, already
5: about whether he's going to be able to maintain the FTC decree that's already on the company. Right. And there were a bunch of people who quit yesterday in right. the legal team who weren't fired, who quit and walked away from this, saying, we're not going to be involved in this because we don't think you're going to be able to, to used live to, up to you, these FTC. You
2: used to be able to see a blue check checkmark, because oh, you'd see crazy stuff, but it never had a blue check mark. Now blue check marks have... Uh... Well, now,
4: right? The blue, uh, you'd have to just decide the blue check mark is not irrelevant no. uh sort
2: of. Well, if anyone has a problem with anything they identity. see that that I've treated, it's not me. I just want right. to get that uh, sort of you're, like you're out of blanket. You're, you're working that joke two, but, two days. No, it's now? not a joke. I'm just it's not a joke. I'm just saying anything that you see there may or may not may or may not be you. You need to step step it up a little bit. Yours are pretty innocuous. I don't know what you really use it for. You use it to watch. You don't really use it to, to say anything. You don't want anyone to know
4: what I you're- I try to use these three hours to say what I've got to say. I and mean, yeah, that's true. You certainly do.
0: T's will be next. Coming up, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy on the two election issues that will carry on to 2023, the economy and an increase in crime.
3: It's not one magic wand. It's a, increasing the, the penalties for folks who are persistent offenders. That whole package we think is the right package.
0: Squawkpod continues after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow,
7: today. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC.
0: Here's Becky Quick.
5: Our next guest has unique insight into the state of the economy. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy joins us this morning. And and Governor Murphy, thank you for being here this morning. We are trying to get our arms around what's happening in the economy because it feels like things are changing at a pretty rapid pace. And I can't think of a better way to kind of have a finger feeling in the air of trying kind to of feeling which way that the winds are blowing than being able to see what the tax receipts are showing you on a regular basis. How is the consumer doing right now? How are businesses doing right now in your state?
3: Yeah, good to be with you, Becky, and God bless our veterans. Um, listen, it's kind of a crazy economy right now, uh, a tale of two cities in many respects. On the one hand, our revenues have stayed strong. They've softened a little bit of late, but in particular, the sales tax revenues, which tells you that people are still consuming uh, at a pretty solid clip, have stayed strong. Our unemployment rate is the lowest it's ever been. We've been upgraded several times this year by the rating agencies. We've got a massive surplus. We've reduced indebtedness. All that's good news. On the challenging side, you got a lot of pain at the kitchen table, a lot of affordability challenges, which we all know. Inflation obviously driving that. Uh, in some cases, things that we can control. So we've had a massive property tax relief program in place, and other things that are beyond you, like a war, a war in Europe. And I worry about what's around the corner. You know, I'm encouraged by the by the seemingly softening of the inflation uh, that, that that fed the markets yesterday. I'm Paul Volcker was a close friend. I continue to be in the in the camp that you you got to wrestle this thing aggressively to the ground before you can declare victory but it's, a, it's very much a, a tale of two cities right now.
5: I wanted to talk to you about that. You are a former senior director at Goldman Sachs. As you mentioned, Volcker was a friend. You, you understand markets, you understand the problems of inflation kind of getting fixed into the economy. Um, the markets reacted with great relief yesterday to see a number of 7.7% versus the 7.9% that was expected versus the 8.3% from a month earlier when you're looking at year over year inflation but that is still an incredibly high number. And you think that this is something where the Fed is going to have to continue to raise rates aggressively? Are you talking 75 basis points and then keeping rates higher for a much longer time?
3: I mean, you've got folks who are much more qualified to answer that uh, than I, Becky, but I I would think, and and this brings me no joy because this is brutal at the kitchen table. But I think if anything, the Fed continues to over correct, Uh, I'm on the side of aggressive behavior because otherwise a lot of inflation is sentiment. It's not just the reality of the math, it's the sentiment. And and when folks wake up and realize, you know what, the, the, the Fed and all other weapons that we have are as aggressive as they are, it must be making an impact. Therefore, I believe when I look out six or 12 months from now, I'm more optimistic than I am today Uh, To feed that positive sentiment in the economy. I think they've got to be they've got to take some more steps That'd be one guy's opinion and I don't say that with any glee because that means more pain for all of us
5: Yeah, you said six to twelve months. Do you think we'll be in a better position? I assume you mean just in terms of inflation and how it's going on that front where do you think we'll be in terms of? employment you said you are worried about what's coming what what specifically are you worried about
3: i mean I'm, i'm worried that i don't think history gives us one example you all may know this better than i where the fed has been this aggressive and the economy didn't cool substantially so whether that's a recession if it's a recession how deep a recession i don't know there's a lot of liquidity on the sidelines if you just look at our balance sheet we've got a massive surplus we've got a large shadow surplus we've got unspent American Rescue Plan money, uh, bipartisan infrastructure dollars to be spent over five years, other monies coming from the Inflation Reduction Act or the, or the CHIPS Act from the summer. I don't think our state is different than a lot of other American states. Uh, you've got that reality with institutions, companies, to some extent households. That, all, all of that leads me to believe that the economy is going to cool, but I, I personally don't see this thing uh, tanking in a, in a very substantial way.
5: Governor, your party did better than anticipated in the midterm elections. There was not a red wave. Um, But there are some issues that are incredibly concerning, not just inflation, not just higher prices, but crime, too. And I'm speaking as a New Jersey resident. I mean, I was reading that so far this year there have been 14,000 cars that were stolen. That's up 14 percent from this point last year. And it's up 36 percent from this point two years ago. What the heck is happening?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're not immune. New Jersey's numbers, unfortunately, Uh, you could put America instead of New Jersey. Uh, There's a little bit of good news, Becky, and that is the the most recent months because of steps we've taken, uh, the year over year is actually down substantially, thank God. We just announced a whole bunch of other steps uh, earlier this week. Uh, There's no question it's an epidemic, uh, but there's also no question that I think we've got the right weapons in place to continue a reduction that we've seen over the past couple of months. A a better news story, thank God, is violent crimes, shootings, homicides are all down meaningfully year over year. When I say meaningfully, 15 to 30% reductions uh, between 22 and, and 21. But listen, they're north of zero. You can't be happy about anybody getting shot or anyone's car being stolen, particularly when you know a lot of those car thefts are associated with other violent crimes. We think we've got the right playbook. Uh, but time will tell.
5: What, I mean, what is the right playbook? You're right, this is a national issue. It, it's been crazy to see some of these things yeah. the last couple of years. So what went wrong and what are you doing to fix it? What, what, yeah, what should other a people com- be doing?
3: combination of a lot of things. Uh, we, we, we've invested aggressively in license plate, uh, automatic license plate reader technology. That's one uh, important um, step. We've loosened the ability for our police to give chase. We've extended uh, meaningfully and deepened a car theft task force. Uh, We're going to invest in pretrial services, meaning for that period between you get arrested and when you go to trial, uh, we do, this is not Jersey alone, it's the country, we do very little, uh, including monitoring your whereabouts, as well as giving you some services like mental health, uh, housing, whatever it might be. So it's not one magic wand, it's increasing the the penalties for folks who are persistent offenders, that whole package we think is the right package. And we're seeing we're beginning to see some progress. I believe we'll see more in the months ahead.
5: Governor Murphy, thank you for your time. We always appreciate seeing you.
0: Good to be with you, thank you. Next on Squawk Pod, the week's biggest Wall Street drama, the FTX fire sale. Investors scrambling to get their money back, crypto enthusiasm shaken, regulators fired up, And the adoration of one very famous guy, now under scrutiny. The industry once asking, how's Sam Bankman-Fried doing this? Is now shouting, how could he?
4: There was an envy about it. They thought to themselves, am I doing something wrong? Nobody wanted to raise their hand and be like, excuse me, I think there's a problem here.
7: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely positively FedEx.
0: You're listening to Squawk Pod.
4: Stand and or by in 3 2 1 Qander. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Mr. Kernan. Yes, I'm here. Now we're going to bring you an update on the collapse of FTX. The crypto exchange's assets have now been frozen by securities regulators in the Bahamas. That's where the company is based. It applies to local trading, at their subsidiary there, and, quote, related parties. Now the regulator says that it's aware of, quote, public statements suggesting that clients' assets were mishandled, mismanaged, and or transferred to Alameda Research, which is FTX's sister trading firm, also headed by Sam Bankman-Fried. SBF says that he plans to close it down amid a lot of questions about the troubling ties between FTX and Alameda. Now, there's been some news moving around overnight about access to customer funds. FTX has halted international withdrawals due to its liquidity crunch this week, but regional exchanges have resumed some service. Now, FTX also getting a credit facility from another crypto company, Tron, which is letting investors redeem a handful of smaller currencies on that platform. Meanwhile, FTX's U.S. website, which is separate to the global FTX exchange, says the trading quote may be halted in a few days, but withdrawals are still available now. I imagine people are racing to to get their money out if that's the case. Uh, So the big question is, are we going to see some customers getting their money out or not? All this is Sandbank and Fried is still looking for cash to keep it all afloat. SBF himself has warned of bankruptcy if he can't secure that capital. And sources now say that FTX has at least an $8 billion hole on that balance sheet back in 21. The venture firm of Coinbase actually invested in FTX in its Series B. And I asked Coinbase's CEO, Brian Armstrong, yesterday whether he saw any red flags, given what he knew about their numbers versus the fact that he had his own in Coinbase.
1: Why? so many people in crypto feel duped and I I do as well, is that I look back at all the interactions that I had with Sam and, um, you know, I felt like he was a very bright and uh, genuine and eager person, perhaps a bit young, you know, he's um, perhaps a bit um, reckless in certain moments, but not, not corrupt, not, um, and, and again, I hate to use that word because we don't know exactly what happened. You know, sometimes people, they get in over their heads or, you know, misunderstandings happen. And so we, we should wait to reserve to see what, what happens, um, you know, when all the facts are in. But, you know, the other thing, I you mentioned the numbers. Um, I was aware of our revenue last year. We did $7 billion in revenue and about $4 billion of positive EBITDA. And I was aware of their revenue um, just as an investor, which was more like around $1 billion. And I was surprised at how much um, cash they, that they seem to have and Sam seemed to have to go out and perform various, um, you know, investments in the market, both their ventures arm and, you know, buying 9% of Robinhood and various political donations. And I did have, I did wonder at times, I was thinking, where, where is all this cash coming from? And so, you know, you always look back 2020 hindsight, but I certainly didn't feel um, anything enough to speak up. And so I was as surprised as anybody. I think there
4: are a lot of people uh, feeling that way right now. Um,
5: That's the same thing Mike Novogratz said yesterday is that he, Himself was looking at it thinking, where is he getting all this cash? And I
4: think a lot of people, to be honest with you, were were very quiet about that because they were jealous. There was an envy about it. They thought to themselves, am I doing something wrong? How is this guy doing all this? And and, and it wasn't just, how is he doing it? It's almost feeling bad about yourself that you couldn't do it. And so nobody wanted to raise their hand and be like, excuse me, I think there's a problem here. Right. Because
2: In the the good times that... Alameda was doing some, almost some riskless type arbitrage with some
5: of the interest rates. Yeah, well, well, early and on it was more, when
4: he was just transferring it from, you know, he, he was buying in the U.S. and selling them
2: in Japan right? and there was and Riskless, basically, that was like right. riskless arbitrage trade. And the other one with the interest, I mean, and made hundreds of, of millions of dollars like in, in short order. And then you could put right. that back and, you know, you'd get, but he, a, look, he I was think a, he, thought, he thought he could keep and he was running a prop desk, effectively.
4: He was right. running his own hedge fund. Whereas Coinbase was never was never that, right? Coinbase has, has no As far as we know. No, no. I it's know. not as no, far I as know. we know. I, I know. I, I, I feel I feel very comfortable
2: saying saying that. Right. It's a U.S. based well, company. You a about publicly traded company. It's a different you situation. You were going all the way to the the basis of crypto in general at one point, and and it, there's I, I, the underlying asset d- isn't necessarily questionable at this point, but people are treating it like it is at this point.
5: Well, I think there's, there's a difference between Bitcoin assets. and crypto, like any there's. of these. I also think
2: there's a valuation issue,
4: which is just how much does it actually have to be worth somewhere See, between a, a dollar and sixty-two thousand Bitcoin. At the moment, that would be the range, the range may be lower, the range may be higher. I've never thought that it has to be imbued with the kind of value that it's been imbued with.
0: Following this morning's conversation, FTX, from its official account, tweeted that it has filed for bankruptcy, and Sam Bankman-Fried, its embattled CEO, has stepped down. John Ray has stepped in in his stead, and the new team, for its part, has asked for patience from its customers and investors while it sorts out the proceedings. And that is Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Was this just one week? Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern, and hopefully we'll get a few things figured out by Monday. To get the best of our three-hour morning show right in your ears, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
7: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.